Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So today we're going to look at five truths that hopefully will bring back the awe and the wonder. This is the, the day, this is the birth, this is the moment in history that forever changed history. The first truth is this. Jesus will one day correct everything that is wrong in our world. Have you noticed the world is kind of messed up lately? Especially in the past two years, it seems like everyone has gotten into COVID craziness. Many of us have. You may not have, but I've been there. You know, it's kind of like things have been forever changed. Things are different. And when we read in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, what's interesting is the prophet, he saw the coming Messiah, but he didn't have the revelation of the New Testament. He didn't realize that there was going to be two comings. There was going to be the first coming where his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And there's a second coming where he's going to establish his forever kingdom. And that forever kingdom would have a sneak preview called the Millennial Reign. So for those of you who have studied biblical prophecy, there's going to be the rapture of the church where we're called up into heaven. During that time, there's a seven-year tribulation. After the seven-year tribulation, Jesus comes back to the earth to establish what Isaiah talks about, this order and this justice. And some, some Bible students, as you read it, you're like, why would there be a thousand-year reign? Why not go ahead and bring in eternity, right? Let's just go ahead and throw the devil and all his followers in the lake of fire, and let's start with, start with eternity. Well, one of the reasons why for the thousand-year reign, just put that in the back of your mind, is the Old Testament is full of promises for Israel. God is a promise-keeping God. So the reason, one of the reasons for the millennial reign is God is going to fulfill all of his promises that have not yet been fulfilled for Israel. And then after all that happens, and the devil's thrown in the lake of fire forever, then eternity begins. So when we look at this truth, look at back at verse number 6, the last part of verse 6. The government will be upon his shoulder. And verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah prophesied this 700 years approximately before Jesus came to earth. And what's interesting about the government, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, it makes no difference for this because Jesus is going to be the monarch of all of eternity. And there's going to be no political parties feuding. There's going to be no debates. He's going to be the unchallenged ruler of forever. And there's going to be four highlights. I want you to look in your scripture verse. The first one is stability. When Jesus comes, the world will be stable. Can you imagine a world that you don't have to worry about earthquakes or hurricanes or tornadoes or famines or COVID or anything like that? Can you imagine a world of stability? See, the reason why we have instability, sometimes we forget, it goes back to Genesis 3. God created a perfect world. We read in Genesis 1 and 2. That was creation. Genesis 3, we see the fall. 
And because of sin, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, Satan is temporarily in charge. He's the small g, the small god of this world. So the reason why we have all this craziness in the world is Satan is temporarily ruling things. And because he's temporarily ruling things, for those who have rejected Christ, no wonder our world is messed up, right? So there will be stability. There will also be prosperity. Can you picture a world where there's nobody homeless? Can you imagine a world where there's no one wanting another meal, where there's no will work for food signs, where there's no homeless shelter food banks? When Jesus comes to take over, there will be no hungry person left. Everyone will be taken care of. And then there, it's going to be a world of peace. When eternity begins, war will be no more. Peace will be the ethos of the day. Can you imagine a world where there's no fighting? Have any of you husbands ever been in the doghouse before? <laughs> yes, I got an amen there. What about online? Ever been in the doghouse? Imagine a world where there's no conflict. There's no misunderstanding. There's no, I said this, but I meant this. I'm sorry about my tone. Some of the guys can say ouch and amen. And then it'll be a world of order. Disorder is the order of the day. But when Jesus comes, he is the God of order, Paul tells us. Everything's done decently in order. He's going to align things. The, the scripture we read says his reign will be established by judgment and justice. Order will be the new order of the day. Life will be fair again. It's amazing seeing all these precious kids on the stage. One of their favorite sayings, no matter if it's your child or my children, is life, that's not fair, right? Mommy, daddy, that's not fair. You ever notice that we have this inborn nature for fairness? In all of life, whether you're eight years old or 80, like you want a world of fairness and that world does not yet exist. Life's not fair. But one day it will be fair. One day everything's going to be rewarded as it should. One day God's going to see your faithfulness and reward it to its fullest extent. Right now we get temporary glimpses of what it looks like. We get glimpses of eternity, but we have not yet entered into that perfect world. Yes, we get sneak previews. The Bible says the Holy Spirit God gives us is like a sneak peek of living with God forever. But we live in a fallen world. We have these fallen bodies, but one day life will be fair again. When we look at scripture and we think about Christmas, what we come to the realization is this, that we live in a messed up place. We live in a world where Satan is temporarily ruling and reigning among those who have rejected Christ. But those of us who know Christ, he's not ruling and reigning in our lives. And we have this sense of the government and the, the order that will be because the Bible says the kingdom of God, Jesus has come and he's come to establish and it's within us. It's the rule and the reign of God in our lives. So what we're trying to do is the kingdom of God that's inside of us, we're trying to get that outside of us. We're trying to see the peace of God in our families. We're trying to see the, the blessings of God in our places of work. You know, we don't have to wait till heaven to experience some of what we're talking about because Jesus reigns. His kingdom is eternal, secure, victorious, expanding, peaceful, and just. So how can one person change the world? How can one birth forever change human history? Several scholars have pointed this out, and I didn't see it until this reading this week. But you notice it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
and upon his shoulder the government shall rest. So what we see here is his humanity. Unto us a child is born. The interesting thing about the Son of God, I I want you to picture this in your mind's eye. Eternity passed before the world was created, there was God. The triune God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Trinity, one God in three persons. And there came a point, Paul tells us, in the fullness of time, when the timing was right, when God had ordered everything at the right moment, the eternal Son of God set aside his royal robes and he stepped down into time and into history. And he stepped into the virgin womb of Mary. The eternal Son of God clothed himself with skin. The eternal Son became known as Jesus, the God-man. He was born that Christmas day that we celebrate, that we're celebrating this week. He lived for 33 years. He died on the cross. And then he rose victoriously. You see, Jesus was born so that we could be born again. Jesus came to our place so that one day he can take you and I to his place. So we have unto us a child is born. That's his humanity. Then we have his deity unto us a son is given. Notice the word given. This shows us that Jesus, before he came to earth, he forever existed. As we said last week, wrap your mind around this. Jesus is the only person ever born that was older than his parents. Because he's lived forever, right? So we have his humanity, we have his deity, and then we have his sovereignty. Upon his shoulders, the government will rest. He has such a powerful shoulder, he can handle the government all by himself. We live in a world where presidents and leaders and officials come and go. But you know what? Jesus can never get voted out of office because he was never voted in office. He's always existed as the supreme ruler of the world. You can't vote him out. You can't vote him in. He is just king of kings and lord of lords. He's the one that's going to come back into history. He's going to right every wrong. And one day there will be peace on earth. There will be peace that will last forever. Number two, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Even when times are not so wonderful right now. Notice it says he shall be called wonderful counselor. In the original Hebrew, there's no commas. So most scholars think you don't separate wonderful and counselor. It's just wonderful counselor. Just like mighty God. And it comes with an adjective and a noun. So when you think about wonderful counselor, I want you to think about your struggles over 2021. How many of you have had challenges this year like never before? All right. Online, raise your hand. I can't see. Okay, thank you. Many of us have had challenges and obstacles that seem insurmountable. Many of us have been depressed and some of us have been anxious. Some of us have had panic attacks. Some of us have got the COVID bug and got over it. Praise God. I mean, things have hit us and we've had to fight things like never before. But, you know, the Bible says Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Now, when you think of counselor, I don't want you to think just of therapists. I want you to think of strategists. Because in the Old Testament concept, a king would have an advisor or counselor, not so much to make him feel good about himself, but to help him win the war. So Jesus is our counselor. He does give us advice. We know that. But it's more than that. He is the one that is a strategist. He's the one that counsels us. In Psalm 32, verse 8, 
God interrupts the psalm and we see God saying this. I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Now look at verse 9, and I didn't say this, this is in the Bible, but do not be like the horse or like the mule. You know, some people have an expression for that. I'm not going to say it out loud, but it's right there in the Bible. It's saying, don't be like a horse, don't be like a mule. God's made you for more than that. Notice which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they'll come near to you. So God interrupts Psalm 32 by saying, listen, you're not a horse, you're not a donkey. Don't act like it. Whenever life is falling out of control, realize I am your wonderful counselor. Counselor. So let's break it down. Wonderful. Have you ever met anybody that you went to counseling for and you got bad advice? Anybody? Or you're discouraged and someone's like, you just need to suck it up. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And you're like, like that helps me. Thank you. Right? You ever been there? Whenever you go to Jesus, he is wonderful. The idea of wonderful is he's one of a kind. He's unique. There is no one like our Lord. He gives advice that's worthwhile. He will never leave you the same way he found you. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. He's the wonderful counselor. The idea of a counselor is someone that can give you advice, someone that can give you guidance. Anybody here from Henderson County, raise your hand. All right. Buncombe County, raise your hand. All right. Haywood County, raise your hand. All right. We've got three different counties. So I'll just use Henderson County. Imagine you're on your way to the Christmas Eve dinner and you get behind this big semi truck and you're like, I thought these truckers aren't supposed to be working on Christmas Eve, but here's someone making Ingalls delivery, whatever. So you're running late. You know that they're going to eat promptly at seven o'clock. It's already 655. So going around a curve, you go to pass the semi-truck, guess what? A car comes, you go back. Every time you try to pass, a car comes ahead. But then you realize you have a friend that just so happens to be flying home for the holidays, and he happens to be right above you. So you take out your cell phone and you say, all right, Mike, I'm getting ready to pass this car semi. Is the road clear? And Mike's like, wait a second. All right, the road's clear. So you pass by, you get where you're going, and you make it on time. Here's the idea behind that, is that Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, he already knows what's going to happen in your life. He sees the road way far in advance. And instead of getting into trouble, head-on collisions, it's best to call upon him. It's best to say, God, should I do this? Should I go this direction? And the Holy Spirit will be there to guide you to say, proceed with caution, stop, or you just need to wait a little while. So Jesus is the one that guides us. He's the one that counsels us. He's the one that's there for us. So what's so wonderful about Christmas? What's so merry about Christmas? If you know that God is the wonderful counselor, if you know that when you wake up in the morning, he's there, if you know that he guides you throughout the day, if you know that he instructs you in the night seasons, If you know that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He never sleeps nor slumbers. He's always on call. Guess what? You can have a Merry Christmas knowing you have a wonderful counselor. It reminds me of the old hymn. We used to sing that in the church I grew up in. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Number three, third insight from this passage 
Jesus is the mighty God who came on a rescue mission to save the world. Not only is he a wonderful counselor, but this Messiah, this Christmas child, notice he is mighty God. Have you ever felt weak like this week, like this month, like this year, like today? You know, it's easy to feel weak. I can remember when I caught COVID, like it was about, I guess, in the fall time, like September. I was out of commission for like five days. And how many of you have felt that? You just feel so weak and sick. And my wife was there to fend with five kids without my help because they didn't want to catch it. And it was just a tough time. And there were feelings of weakness, feelings of, am I ever going to get out of this? And many of you have felt that. Notice it says his name shall be called Mighty God. The word mighty is another word when it's translated, it means hero. Jesus is our hero. He's the one that comes in to save the day. Whenever your world is falling into pieces, when your heart feels like it's been shattered, when you feel like you've experienced death by a thousand small cuts, Jesus steps in and he says, I'm your mighty God. I'm the one that goes before you. I'm the one who's with you. Whenever you need rescuing, Jesus is your rescuer. Whenever you need a friend, he's the friend like no other. Whenever you need a miracle, he is the miracle-working God. There's nobody like Jesus. When he was born, he forever changed history. The question I have for you, has he changed your history? Has he entered into your time and your space and your life and changed the course of your life? If not, he can do so today. So he is the mighty God. What's interesting about this as you, as you read through scriptures, Exodus 15, 1 through 3, it's in your listening guide. Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has given me victory. He is my God. I will praise him. He is my father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. So whenever you need someone to fight your battles for you, whenever you feel weak, realize when you're weak, he's strong. Realize he's the one that fights your battles. Not only that, but he is God. This is one of the many clear passages that talk about the divine nature of Jesus. He's not just human. He is also God. He's the God man. The mystery is Jesus is 100% human and he's 100% God. He's the God man. Jesus said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the author John tells us about that, this about Jesus. John says Jesus was with God, and he was God. In John 10.30, these are the words of Christ, I and my Father are one. And here's one I want you guys really to look at, Romans 9, 4, and 5, when it's talking about the promises given to Israel. And in verse 5, it says that the Messiah, talking about Jesus, he is God over all forever pray. So if you've ever doubted if Jesus is God throughout the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, it talks about that he is God. From Isaiah to John to Romans, he is God. There was an anonymous author who made this striking comparison. He said Socrates taught for 40 years. Think about that. Socrates taught 40 years. Plato taught for Excuse me, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, and Aristotle for 40. So when you add that together, that's 130 years between the three. And Jesus taught for how many years? Three. 
So 130 years of Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, three years with Jesus. Who made the biggest impact? Jesus. The author goes on to say, Jesus painted no pictures. Yet all of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, they got their inspirations from Jesus. Uh, Jesus wrote no poetry, we have record of, but Dante, Milton, and many other of the world's greatest poets derive their inspiration from Jesus. And Jesus wrote no songs that we're aware of, no musical songs. But yet Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, and Bach, they reached their highest perfection with worship songs to Jesus. So here's the thing, as great as art is, as great as drama is, as great as music is, as great as poetry is, only Jesus has the power to change the human heart. And when the human heart is changed by Jesus, it makes the poetry better. It makes the music better. It makes the drama better. Jesus changed history as we know it. Number four, not only is Jesus the wonderful counselor, not only is he the one that's the mighty God, but he is the everlasting father who loves you everlastingly. Notice the next phrase, everlasting father. Now, it brings a question I want you guys to think about. If God is the father, you have the father, Jesus is the son, you have the Holy Spirit. Why would Isaiah refer to Jesus as the everlasting father? That, that seems not to make sense. Isn't the father different than the son? Well, in the Jewish mindset, the word father It can also mean originator or source. Example, in the New Testament, Jesus said Satan is the father of lies. He was the source, the originator of it. So when it says that Jesus is the everlasting father, a better way to say it is he's the father of eternity. We have our substance and our source in him. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Another aspect is Jesus is part of the Godhead. So he's existed eternally. But I think the way that you could really resonate it is it goes no further than John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So when you think about Jesus, he loves you like the perfect father. See, all of our fathers that were good are just reflections. None of them are perfections. But when you look at the love of Jesus, he's the perfect father. He is love personified. He stepped down into time and space. Even though he was rich, Paul said, he became poor for our sakes so that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. He loves you with an everlasting love. John MacArthur says the Messiah will be a father to his people eternally. As the Davidic king, he will compassionately care and disciple them. Jeremiah 31.3 I love this verse. The Lord appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with a what kind of love? Everlasting love. Therefore, loving kindness have drawn you. So think about it like this. How does God love me everlastingly? Like, don't I have a beginning? You know, when I was created, how how can it say that God loved me everlastingly? Well, as long as God has existed, which has been how long? Forever. He's loved you forever. And you're like, I don't get that. I don't either. But think about it. God sees the past, present, and future at the same time. And he's loved you forever. He's loved you even before the world was created. God knew. God the Father knew that he would have to send Jesus to die for you. Why? Because he loved you. 
He loved you everlastingly. With my wife, I have this saying occasionally, I bring it up, that I loved her five months before she loved me. So I make the statement, I love you most because I loved you first. And she can't argue with that because it's a true statement. I love you most because I loved you first. What did the Apostle John say? We loved him because he first. So he's loved you everlastingly. He loved you first. And he loves you most. And he loves you eternally. So what's so merry about Christmas when we hang the lights, the wreath, when we sing jingle bells and all the Christmas carols? What you can know is because he's this everlasting father, even when the world rejects you, he accepts you. Even when you feel unloved, know that you are eternally loved by God. God loves you more than you can ever realize. And he's going to have all of eternity to show you how great and how wide and how amazing and how deep and how long his love goes for you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. One of the greatest theological statements we could ever say is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Number five, Jesus is the Prince of Peace who brings calm out of chaos. Notice, not only is he the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting Father, but Isaiah wants you to know that he's the Prince of Peace. When you think about that, I just have to ask the question, is there anybody here that needs peace right now? Anyone here that it feels like your world's falling into pieces? Anyone here that Christmas is a lonely time for you? That there's people that will not be at the celebration this year that were there last year? Anyone suffering from the holiday blues that it was something like 60-some percent of the world, especially in America, we're dealing with that? I want you to know that he's the prince of peace. Prince meaning he is the, the greatest of all. There's no question to his rule and his reign. Prince of what? He's the prince of shalom. It's the Hebrew concept of life the way it should be. I'm good, you're good, and everything's good with the world. Wouldn't that be nice to have that? But here's, here's the, the, the beautiful thing I want to bring to you. You don't have to wait to heaven to get that sense of peace. Peace in this time, in this history we're living in, is not the absence of conflict. It's not that all of life is good. It's that life can be messed up, jacked up. Life can be depressing. But in the midst of all that, you have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a peace in your soul. It's this inner tranquility, knowing that all is well with God. Me and my Savior are good, so it doesn't matter what happens in the world. You're like, Timothy, what about the worst case scenario? What if, what if I get sick? What if I die? Hello? What happens when a believer dies? You're in the presence of peace forever. So, folks, there are some good news. In Mark 4, I don't have time to read it, but there was a storm in the Sea of Galilee. This big storm came up. And here we find the Prince of Peace sleeping in a storm. And Mark would like you to know that Jesus is not just asleep in the storm. He would like you to know that water is filling the boat. The disciples are panicking. They're not feeling peace right now, even though he's peaceful, sleeping like a baby. And all of a sudden, they wake Jesus up out of this sleep. He's sleeping on a pillow, by the way. And they're like, Master, don't you care? We're perishing. 
I can imagine their voice echoing through the Sea of Galilee. We're about to die, die, die. Jesus, wake up, up, up. And Jesus gets up. And what does he do? Someone tell me. He rebukes and he says, peace, be still. So here you have the Prince of Peace telling creation to shut up. Okay, quieten down. And then he rebukes the wind, the wave, all is well. And I can just imagine, imagine if that happened in 2021. Imagine you're in Jerusalem. Imagine if you're a news reporter in Jerusalem. Let's just take your imagination. Hello, I'm Timothy. I'm a meteorologist and I'm here to report live breaking news. This is shown up on Fox, CNN, all the news channels. Uh, we, we have an event that we, we couldn't have predicted. On our live Doppler radar, we saw a storm coming. And all of a sudden, the storm just disappeared on the Doppler. We don't know what to happen. So we went to get eyewitnesses. And here's one eyewitness, Jane. Jane, tell us what happened. Well, he just said, peace be still, and the storm stopped. And we, we were fascinating. Like, this has never happened, and we never studied this in meteorology school. So it's going to be more on the 11 o'clock news tonight, so stay tuned. Can you imagine if that happened today? But let me be a, a news forecaster for you. I can't predict the weather, but based upon this passage, I'm going to give you a few observations of your life forecasting prediction. One thing is you're never alone. Jesus is right there in the boat with you. So if your life seems kind of chaotic right now, if it seems a little cray-cray right now, if it seems a little, I don't feel good right now, little secret, Jesus is in the boat. Another thing is, it seems like God's sleeping, right? Jesus is asleep. But doesn't the Bible say he never sleeps nor slumber? So if God is sleeping right now, it may mean that I've heard this saying that how many of you are teachers in the room? We had a lot in the first service. Any teachers? When is the teacher most quiet? When the student is taking a test. So it may be that you're in a test right now, and that's why God seems quiet. It may be. The other thing is, is in order to get to the other side, you may have to go through some storms. The reason why some of us have experienced fewer storms, it could be that we're not willing to get in the boat and, and, and go places for God. Maybe we're playing it safe. So there may be some significance that you could look at in the storm. The storm is not meant to hinder you, but it's to help you make it further. It's helped to develop you. And we see that fear and faith don't really mix. You notice that Jesus rebuked the wind, the waves. The disciples were afraid. So if you want faith to prevail, you have to kick out fear. You have to kick out fear. Well, what about, what if, just trust God. He controls the storm. And Jesus is still in the midst of calming storms in your life. He still has the ability, when life is going crazy, he can say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. So how do you unpackage this Christmas gift? How do you unwrap this gift of the Messiah in, in terms of peace. Well, right now, there's someone here today, there's a middle-aged man perhaps listening, and you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I just want to say to you, Jesus is your peace. Look to him. There's a senior adult in here perhaps that your health is not where it should be, and you feel really bad this Christmas, and you just want to get the holidays over with because life's not the way it should be. I just want you to know that Jesus is your peace. 
There may be a young lady today that your kids are driving you crazy. And you're like, I wish they'd just turn 18. Let's just skip childhood. I just want you to know that Jesus is your peace. When your world is falling to pieces, he is your peace. He is the one that holds it all together. So, let's wrap this up. How do you respond to the claims about Jesus? I'm going to steal a line from John Stott, the famous author. He said in the New Testament, there were only three reactions to Jesus. First reaction is some people hated him. Those who hated him, they wanted to kill him. We see that with Pharisees. They hated him, so they killed him. How did that work for them? It didn't work. He came back alive, all right? The other reaction is some were afraid of him. They wanted to run away. We see Peter initially said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Some people were afraid, and they ran away. That's another reaction. The third reaction is some people were awestrucken by him. They were in great wonder and amazement. And you know what their response was? They worshipped him. They gave their lives to devotion to him. So this Jesus, when we look at someone that's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, you can't have a neutral reaction. You're either going to hate him and want to get rid of him in your life, You're either going to run from him and say, I don't know about this God thing, or you're going to run toward him in worship and devotion. You cannot be neutral about this Jesus. So as we conclude, let's throw up the big idea. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, giving you life, giving you joy and giving you peace. No matter what your Christmas is like this year or in Christmases to come, You can always have a great Christmas if Jesus is in the center of it. Now, if you focus on people, you may get discouraged. If you focus on family, you can get depressed. If you focus on gifts, you can always want more. But when you unwrap the gift, the greatest gift that was ever given, you'll realize that he is the bread of life. He is the true life. And in him, we have life and it more abundantly. So here's a few action steps. Does anybody need to talk about their problems? Let me throw my number up here, 1-800-TIMOTHY. Just kidding. I'm not the best counselor. I'm the type that will give you, you've got to do this, this, this. And you're like, I just wanted someone to cry with me. I'm not wired that way, sorry. But Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's the one that's going to be with you through the good times and through the bad times. He is the wonderful counselor. Is anybody weak today? Let Jesus be your mighty God. Let him be your hero. In a world where heroes fall by the day, where legends come and go, Jesus remains eternally steadfast. He is mighty God. He is your hero. Anybody here feel like, I don't know, I feel alone? I feel alone? Did you know that he's the one that's with you? He's this everlasting father. He's the one that's loved you everlastingly. So if you ever feel unloved, I want this to be tattooed upon your heart, that you're loved far more than you'll ever know. He's loved you with an everlasting love. And finally, anybody need peace? I think that's probably 100% of us. Whenever you need peace, all you need to do is look to the Prince of Peace. And peace is not the absence of conflict or having everything go well, but peace is in spite of all that's happening to you. You can have this inner tranquility in your soul, knowing I'm right with God. 
all is well with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Let us pray.